body outlined in chalk, dressed in a suicide vest and a sniper bullet that exited his head. Pump-action shotgun was adjacent from an old-fashioned tape recorder. I adjusted my camera, took a couple of pictures before placing the evidence in a bag. The bullet hole in his temple was courtesy of a local law enforcer who took aim from a helicopter before the assailant pulled the trigger. My job was to go in, take pictures, and be objective. They didn't hire me to be a poet. However, I find it hard to suppress my nature. Okay, space lady, start the show. Greetings to all sentient life forms in the universe. Welcome to Poetic Earthlings, a show that will provoke, inspire, and alter your perception. Here's your host from a remote location south of the 49th parallel, York Campbell. The case seemed pretty cut and dry. A disgruntled accountant seeked revenge after being ousted from his job. But this was far from a cookie-cutter police procedure, because what was on the tape will flip my world upside down. I took out my number two pencil and notebook to conduct my interview. Trevor Novak, a mixture of college boy charm and high school bully, wore a Metallica shirt with faded, torn blue jeans. How long have you known him? Man, him and I, we went back a long, long time. In fact, he was even in my high school. We went to the same high school together. No, 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 edit that. We went even to the same, in the same preschool. We were in preschool together. Man, man, we had such a, uh, such a long, long history. And hey, man, I, I, I can't believe it's gone. Nevertheless, man, we, we started off in this job together. You know, him and I, we got we, we got a big break man we were going to take over the world I, I admit he's a little bit kind of nerdy and i'm the totally opposite of that we we had ambition we were going to do it go to the move to the big city and take over the world you know you know what i'm saying he paused looked at the ceiling well yeah, there's one thing you know he was always into self-help books uh, all the time he would read one and put that one down and, and read another one it, it was almost like an obsession to him but he got this one self-help book or i guess book on tape and this guy man he went to into the office and he was continuously listening to this thing do you recall in chapter three when we talked about self-worth and the importance of protecting your crown of course you do over and over again it was almost like it was almost like the, the thing was programming his mind telling him what to do I, I don't know i don't know exactly i never listened to it i don't type of type of things but he man he does so i thought that was kind of weird you know just constantly listening to it with his with his with his headphones on if you hold to these principles you would never be pushed around again principle number one is self-dignity how you perceive yourself is how the world perceives you. So that's one thing that was kind of suspicious about him. Besides that, he was a cool dude. He was kind of nerdy, but you know, he was a cool dude. But that's what I noticed about him. I moved on to Mr. Finkelman, 
the CEO of Helping Hands Foundation. He's a no-nonsense, rough-around-the-collar, hard-nosed straight shooter with an exaggerated mustache and overgrown personality. Picture Peter Parker's boss in the last Spider-Man movie. A disgruntled accountant shot to death in the middle of his office didn't seem to faze him. To prove the point, he took out a Cuban, ignited the tip in blue smoke circles. Why did you let him go? The question was simple enough. The answer was complicated. Well, you see, the kind of business that I run, right? With the Helping Hands Foundation, we are accountable to our shareholders. We are accountable to a lot of individuals. We have to be, we have to make sure that our employees are top-notch on their game at all times. If not, then people suffer. I don't want people to suffer because I've been in this business for a very long time. My, my, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather after that started off this business by the sweat of their brow. They started off working hard to build up everything that you see right now. I have to be careful. I don't want my business to be torn down. Even my top people, my accountants and everyone else, they know that if they don't do a good job, then they're going to be shown the door. I don't play favorites. I never do. Sometimes these are hard decisions and also hard decisions. I work from both. I work from my head and also I work from my heart. The decision came that, that he wasn't shown to be the type of employee that my company needed at the time. So I sat down, looked at his material, looked at all of the things that he was lacking. And then I decided to let him go. I could smell BS from a mile away. Mr. Finkelman wasn't giving me the whole enchilada. I guess when you're the head of a multi-million dollar company, you can't reveal all of your skeletons. Did he mention anything about his personal life? Did Mr. Capella make mention of domestic problems, drug use? I don't ask, and I don't care. I'm their boss, not their psychologist. I took another look at the body. More specifically, the Ostella Vista vest. This is a certain type of suicide vest handmade by Hungarian nuns. If this were to detonate, it would not only wipe out the office, but the entire building itself. I ejected the cassette tape labeled Better Version of You by Dr. Omar Kadar and placed it inside the plastic bag. In my office, I outlined the sequence of events, thumbtacked the photos on the wall and dusted off my cassette player. Trevor said, the self-help book screwed up Calvin's head by turning his mild-mannered friend into a psycho. Of course, I'm skeptical. I live in a world of government conspiracies and crackpot theories. I turned on the tape. Chapter 7 Moral order versus anarchy. Look deeply within yourself and you'll feel the constant struggle between two opposing forces. One wants to subdue the other. Both giants are fighting for your attention. Like two hungry dogs on a short leash, the one you feed the most determines your path. How could anyone listen to this or find it persuasive? 
there was a time when the human race survived without therapist. When we weren't fed a bunch of horse maneuver, our ancestors pressed their back against the wind and toiled the merciless land with blood and sweat. Excuse the tangent. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. I was reluctant to continue the tape, but this may be the most critical lead that we have. I poured myself some Belgium hot cocoa and pressed play. Anarchist. Goal is to dismantle the moral code, to sever the cord, to rebel against the establishment. Crime and injustice is the seed of this perverse worldview. I was on my third cup of Belgian hot cocoa. 10 p.m. turned into 3 a.m. as I continued listening to this trash. Chapter 12, Judge, Jury, and Executioner. On the previous chapters, we examined the elusive elements of anarchy and how it destabilizes governments. Currently, we have a federal system corrupt with anarchy tendencies. They allow rioters to burn down buildings and convert the streets into war zones. As a moral agent of stability, you need to take control. He made a few good points. The so-called justice system seemed to be catch and release. Criminals are given free reign. There's no accountability. They go behind bars and exit through revolving doors. A couple more hours came and went. This must be my tenth time playing the stupid tape. My bed flirted with me to go to sleep. But instead, I sat frozen, suspended in time, playing 30 minutes on one side and flipping it around. Look at yourself in the mirror and repeat after me. I am an agent of justice. Again, I am an agent of justice. The police scanner announced an incident in the progress. A sporadic shooting in an uptown apartment complex. I clipped my Sony Walkman to my belt and placed the headphones on my left ear. An agent of justice stands within the gap. They are an incorruptible, unmovable force of nature. However, their actions may be misunderstood. Officers be advised, the main suspect is Landon Farah. I repeat, Landon Farah. Of course it's him. This SOB has been in and out of jail on numerous occasions, and not just for petty crimes, but for assault and battery and attempted murder. Officers took cover, bullets sprayed, one got shot in the shoulder. It was unclear if it was multiple shooters. All I knew is that we were pinned down like crabs in a bucket. The righteous will prevail in the land of the wicked, but you must act swiftly. I got a glimpse of the suspect. All I have to do is enter through the emergency door. 
almost there. Just two more floors. Anomalies must be corrected and every crooked path straightened. Gunshots were heard from Unit 501. The door was locked. I paused, took a deep breath, and kicked down the door. Oh my God, don't shoot! Oh God, don't shoot! He dropped the AK-47 and raised his hands. I held my finger on the Beretta. If I arrested Mr. Farah, they will let him out. Since prison bars, as I said before, is a revolving door. I dropped the gun, man! I dropped the gun! Don't shoot! Sometimes, doing the right thing may seem wrong. You may be experiencing that right now. The earthly resistance. The moral dilemma. The hesitation to cross the line. Mr. Farah deserves to die. He represents anarchy and social imbalance. I would be doing the city a favor by getting rid of the scum from the street. I have five kids, man! Five kids! Are you willing to deliver justice to fulfill your calling on this earth? I'm complying! I'm complying! My hands are up! Right and wrong seem to blur. However, I knew that murder is murder. I could get away with it and call it self-defense, but how could I live with myself? I'll ask again, are you willing to deliver justice to fulfill your calling on this earth? One squeeze of the trigger is all it would take. for justice. I stopped the tape and read him his rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to talk to a lawyer for advice before we ask you any questions. You have the right to have a lawyer with you during questioning. If you cannot afford a lawyer, one will be appointed for you before any questioning, if you wish. If you decide to answer questions now without a lawyer present, you have the right to stop answering at any time. Programmable. Written and produced by yours truly, York Campbell. Next time on Poetic Earthlings. I'm not much to look at. Ladies, they look the other way. May have had a shot when I was 80. But 20 extra years makes me a freak of nature. Senior ladies have their eyes on the kitchen staff. Not this old Charlie with a cane and dentures.
At least on Sundays, I could escape to church with a pack of smokes and a King James Version. Currently, the pastor is riffing on heaven. I turned up my hearing aid. To hear pieces of the sermon. Reflected on my children. Thought about them from time to time. Who passed on before me. Yeah, they passed on before old Charlie. Life itself is kind of perverse. It ain't right for your children to go first. Well, who said life is fair? I'm Charlie, the 100-year-old church-going chain smoker, and this is my story. Thank you for listening to this show. To support everything that I do here, please go to buymeacoffee slash poetic earthlings. You have two options. You could be a one-time giver by giving three, five dollars, whatever you can afford. Or you could be a monthly member. Monthly members will receive a brand new podcast. Goes behind the scenes of Poetic Earthlings. Thank you to Tiffany C. Lewis from Rebellious Lit. Okan Yukimi Cornelius Dominique. Remember to check out his podcast, Word Chef. Thank you to Shantae from the Call to Action podcast. Also, my fellow geeky Canadian, Gord Lanyon. Also, an extra special thanks to my big brother, Elvis. Remember, be kind to each other. Be a good earthling. And I'll talk to you soon.